This is Andy Burcham, voice of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to this Wednesday edition of Sports Call. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, and Tom Peavy with you here. Fun show so far. We're going to keep the fun rolling here as we go to the Auburn Bank phone line again. And uh, it is a Wednesday, so it is time to chat with Joe Bartle of Rotowire here on this Wednesday edition of Sports Call. Joe, uh, it's kind of a bittersweet conversation with you today because the NFL season is officially over, and there is a lot to do in the offseason and that sort of thing. But uh, this will be kind of the last conversation about football for a little while. But I hope you're doing well today. Oh, yeah. You know what? For me, NFL is just 365 days a year. So the off season is as interesting as the regular season, certainly the postseason as well, too. And the NFL has done a good job of making it that way. I, I'm excited for next year. Um, I, You know, this will be a prelude probably into the Super Bowl. I'm hoping the officiating gets a little bit better. Uh, it has been an issue all regular season and all postseason, as we saw uh, this past Sunday as well, too. So I'm, I'm hoping that will be something the NFL takes a long, hard look at and improves the game next year because it does need improving. And I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be optimistic that we are going to have um, some positive movement in that regard. Well, and not trying to go too far <laughs> into the officiating, but it is very ironic and, and uh, disheartening, honestly, that just a few days prior, Roger Dell said the league had never been in a better place officiating-wise. And I don't know if that to be true. But uh, that aside... Uh, it was a high-quality Super Bowl on Sunday, Joe, and uh, these two offenses, these two quarterbacks did not disappoint. What were your big takeaways from Super Bowl Sunday? That would have been one of the best games uh, in Super Bowl memory of all time. I mean, it, it really would have been, uh, even if even if like the, it just ended with the field goal, the Chiefs kick it, and the, the Eagles are unable to convert, that possibility of, of the comeback and of the drive, really, of that Jalen Hurts company, could have done, um, I, I think I had already made, because that was one of the best games. And I, I'll take the blame for this. America, this was my fault. I texted a friend uh, moments before the flag saying, this has been an awesome game. There's been no officiating issues whatsoever. Uh, and then, of course, that flag does happen. And, I, and like I said, I really believe the officiating has been awful throughout the regular season and it was in the postseason. So for it to end because of another bad officiating call, you know, that, that's on par. I, I actually, you know, I get it. James Bradbury also came out and said it was a bad call, too. Or, I'm sorry, that he said it was the correct call. I apologize. It was the correct call. But just because it was the correct call doesn't mean it happened in that moment. I just want consistency. I just want consistency game to game, team to team, moment to moment. Like, that's what matters to me. Uh, we didn't get that, and I think it ruined what was going to be one of the best games. And it was one of the best games up until that point because the quarterbacks, like you mentioned. I know everyone thought Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and, and the Chiefs offense would do fine, and they did. But I really loved the game within the game. Then the second-half adjustments that they made, uh, obviously getting more possessions. I feel like people just kind of ignore that part of it. The Eagles started with the ball first, were able to sit on it for most of the first half. They just didn't let the Chiefs get the ball and do anything. When they really had an opportunity in the second half, they did. Um, and whether the pass rush of the Eagles was limited because of the uh, porous field that the NFL was playing on or just that the offensive line of the Chiefs was that much better, I'm not sure we'll ever know, but it's certainly made for a super compelling game. Um, I think if the pass rush had been as dominant as they were in the regular season, the Eagles would have won pretty handily. Uh, so I'm, I'm thankful in that sense that it was as competitive as it was. 
And Joe, I, I want to ask you about that Eagles defense because I certainly noticed live and we all saw we could go back after the fact and see a lot of defensive ends slipping uh, as they tried to rush the passer and plenty of players at all positions on both teams slip throughout the game. Pretty inexcusable if you ask me about the NFL. But uh, how much of the struggles or, or how much of the Kansas City putting up 38 points, how much of it was kind of just the Eagles not doing smart good things defensively because i feel like joe there's a couple of just really simple plays i mean i know there's some clever play design and there's certainly the undertones of eric the enemy and what he's been able to do uh helping lead this kansas city offense but uh, there felt like there was just some simple stuff that philadelphia just could not cover at all and it felt like a lot of Mahomes' throws ended up being very easy throughout the game yeah the back-to-back touchdowns on the motion that then just came and zigged right back I think will be a point that a lot of Eagles fans um, will mention as to why they are very happy that Gannon is leaving their defense corner is leaving um, for the Cardinals head coaching position. I, I, I think you can say maybe his scheme was rudimentary, but also acknowledge how good it was. And they had a lot of talent, but you can have a lot of talent, <clears throat> my Packers, and not be able to do well with that talent. And it's and it's very evident and very clear. So I'm I'm less low on Gannon as a defensive coordinator relative to, I think, a lot of bitter Eagles fans or anybody that had rooting interest in their defense succeeding against the Chiefs. I think when you give Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs uh, and Eric Enemy too, I don't want to discredit him, two-plus weeks to plan, you're going to see that type of thing, little wrinkles. And they have had so much opportunity in recent years to perfect how that looks in the postseason, in the Super Bowl specifically. Uh, really, other than Bill Belichick, there's not a coach in the league right now that I feel more confident saying in a two-week stretch must-win game, Andy Reid will get it done and know what to do. And I was actually more impressed, not even with the pass rush, but Isaiah Pacheco in particular being able to run the ball. You think about what would happen if the Chiefs were forced to be one-dimensional. Patrick Mahomes would make things incredibly, uh, you know, incredibly uh, crazy plays because that's what Mahomes does. But it would be very easy, even for a bad field conditions like it was, uh, for the Eagles' pass rush to tee off. But I think specifically that interior, whether it be Jordan Davis or Fletcher Cox, really couldn't make Mahomes unable to scramble around. Mahomes could still do stuff within the pocket and outside because there was opportunity to step up, move to the right or left without a hand in his face often. So I think as much as everyone wants to credit Hassan Reddick and Brandon Graham, the guys on the edge, and they should, um, it was the interior pass rush that I think uh, was surprising to me, and it's because they had to respect that rushing game, and Pacheco in partic- uh, particular, who I thought would be completely shut down, he was fantastic, and I think uh, will be a very underrated reason in which the Chiefs have won now two of the last three Super Bowls. Let's pivot, Joe, now towards the off season. And as you mentioned, yes, it it very much is a 365-day-year sport. Uh, we'll have NFL Draft coming up in a couple months. It'll be very interesting to see, uh, as always. But also, when you talk off season, and, and it feels like we're going on a run now of a couple years here where some big franchise quarterbacks are actually involved in some of the off-season talk. It's not always the case because teams obviously very much value their franchise quarterbacks. But in the case of, of course, Aaron Rodgers for another year, Lamar Jackson, uh, these these guys are going to dominate headlines all off-season long. What ultimately do you think uh, happens to these two? And I know Atlanta is involved, could be involved with Lamar Jackson. That's a popular fit. Uh, just what happens with, with these two guys? Yeah, I, I think we are probably going to come to an end of these uh, uh, Pro Bowl or Hall of Fame quarterbacks on the move. I, I know the NFL kind of wants that to happen, but we're in this weird spot of the quarterback cycle 
where we have a lot of young guys, Josh Allen, Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts, that are, are really pushing and have pushed themselves into the upper echelon of quarterbacks. And then there was the Russell Wilsons, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady's, that had still been around, lingering in that same spot, Matthew Stafford, maybe could be that equation too in the next year or two, that have kind of fallen out, whether it be age or for every other reason. Um, and I think that's why we've seen so much movement over the past three years of these massive quarterbacks. Not that it can't happen, and Lamar Jackson is a perfect example, but very rarely do you let an MVP uh, multi-time Pro Bowl quarterback hit the open market. It just that, That's uh, a bad business plan if you're an NFL team. So I would suspect this will happen less, but to your point with Aaron Rodgers and Lamar Jackson, it really feels like that Lamar-Ravens relationship is just untenable. Um, that players, I know Sammy Watkins had just joined the Ravens only a couple weeks prior, but still there are players openly talking about if Lamar uh, was choosing not to play or if he couldn't play, that's a pretty tough stain, a pretty tough reputation thing to move past. And I think many people in the league respect Lamar's talent. You just say if he goes to a different spot and utilizes talent more, not Greg Roman, uh, yeah, it's possible. I think the last place Lamar should go, though, is the Falcons. I I was very disappointed with Arthur Smith's scheme. They were so unhappy, and I, I understand maybe the allure to doing so, but that's just the exact same Greg Roman stuff that I think has limited Lamar Jackson to what he could be potential-wise to this point in his career. I, I think if Greg Roman was not the coordinator for the Ravens, we're talking about Lamar Jackson in that same breath as Joe Burrow and Josh Allen, um, and he was just handicapped to an extreme extent by an offensive coordinator that thinks he's in 1980. So I would I would not want to see him in the Falcons as much as I know that hurts the uh, Atlanta faithful. And I know that Arthur Smith is not Greg Roman, uh, but it's still a too predominantly run-heavy scheme for me uh, that I would rather have him go to a different spot. And to the point with Aaron Rodgers, um, you know, the Raiders and Jets are the odds-on betting favorites. I had talked about my Wednesday podcast, though, that what if you went to the, the Tennessee Titans? Titans could have upwards of $70 million in cap space if they cut Ryan Tannehill and a couple other people. Um, I, I think the AFC South is absolutely a winnable division. With Derrick Henry, uh, Traylon Burks, I thought, came on towards the end of the year, possibly some more investments into that receiver spot. That Tennessee offense could be very, very uh, dynamic in all phases, and they already had the best rush defense in the league last year, improved the pass defense a little bit somewhat. Uh, Aaron Rodgers could make them uh, make the Titans contend, much like they were two years ago when they don't want to see them eventually lost to the Bengals. So, um, I, I think there's a, I, I think Rodgers moves, um, whether it be to the Raiders or Jets or Titans. I'm not certain, but I do feel very confident it will be to an AFC team. Before we go to baseball for just a moment, Joe, I do want to ask you just kind of a generalized question about the off season and just that simply being whose off season is going to be most intriguing for you, with whether it be a team with a lot of cap space or with no cap space or who could end up having a big time free agent. Which which off season, which team are you most interested in? Yeah, I know a lot of people say the Bears because they have the number one overall pick, and whether they trade that or they trade Justin Fields, you kind of have to make a decision one way or another. They have uh, the most cap space in the league. I just think it's a poorly run organization, uh, and I, I just don't – I have zero belief that they're going to do the correct thing. And you can debate what the correct thing is, but I think all of us have a little bit of uncertainty as to how the Bears will operate. So uh, I, I'm less I'm less interested in them. Uh, maybe it's just great. Just talked about it today uh, on the podcast, but I kind of am interested in the Colts. Uh, at the number four pick, they could trade up to get a quarterback. They could just hope to roll the dice and see who lands there. Um, there, That AFC South division really is wide open, uh, much more than I think a lot of people want to recognize, even though the Jaguars really came on towards the end of last season. If they make the right moves at quarterback or 
if they go all, all in on retooling this team, um, it could be really interesting. And I think they have some core pieces relative to a lot of other teams at the bottom of the standings um, that, that that could make a big difference. So it's either the Colts or actually the Seahawks as well, too. I would assume they bring back Geno Smith, but that will be an interesting as well. Can they really contend with the Niners or hold off a probably healthy Rams team for one of those final playoff spots in the NFC division or conference that I think will look much better than it did this year? Talking to Joe Bartle of RotoWire as we have all football season long. and uh, But a friendly reminder, we've talked to him a little bit about basketball. RotoWire does it all in, both foot, in all football, basketball, and baseball this year, Joe. And so let's talk a little baseball here for just a moment. Uh, spring training starting to get going here. World Baseball Classic coming up. And everyone will start to draft their fantasy teams here in about a month or so. So what are some of the fantasy notes to keep an eye on when it comes to baseball? And, and again, for those that are new to it, uh, baseball a decidedly more arduous process uh, of, <laughs> of, of, of keeping a lineup together. So walk us through a little bit of some of these particulars. Yeah, whereas fantasy football you play once a week on Sundays, and even if you are not super into football, you could check your lineup on Friday or Saturday and make the necessary roster things. It, it is a, a much more difficult endeavor for baseball, but that's why that was really the initial fantasy sport. Before we had fantasy football, the fantasy sport was fantasy baseball, and it's because the people liked the grind, and there are still a lot of people that like the fantasy grind. What I'd recommend if you're starting a fantasy league is, is really decide, do you want to do it like you do fantasy football where you're matching up against Joe Schmo uh, and your team you know, head-on-head, on head, or do you want to go ahead and have something where it's just accumulating stats throughout the season? Both are difficult. Both have their grinds, um, but it is a different mindset overall where he's trying to beat some person as opposed to beat a whole field. And the projections in that latter example where you're just trying to accumulate uh, X amount of stance, rotal standings um, is what it would be called, it, it, it's a different mindset overall. I, I prefer that because that's kind of like the way of playing baseball. That's always how it's been. Um, but I, I recognize if you're really just dipping your toes into it and want to get more involved, you don't want to just watch the games, but you want to participate from a fantasy perspective, the head-to-head matchups is a growing thing in fantasy baseball. So uh, I, there is no wrong way uh, as long as you are enjoying it and being able to participate and keeping active because I think that's a huge part of it. Overall, I think this year – there's two key points that a lot of people need to keep in mind. So one is that speed is more important than ever. Most of the categories in which you're playing will involve stolen bases. I mean, that's one of the core pillars of, of fantasy baseball, whether it be head-to-head or roto stuff. Uh, and I think finding stolen bases, much like it is in baseball right now, is difficult. And you can have an X, Y, and Z projection of 10 to 15 for a certain player, but to have that guy that jumps out, that leaps out, and doesn't hurt your lineup in other ways is really a big key. So I've seen speed drafted relatively early uh, in rounds one through five. And you could pick any one of your outfielders, your, your infielders, anything like that. I think um, you could you could identify the speed players, but that's one of the, the early um, things that people are jumping to. And the other part is multidimensional positioning. So much like in basketball where you want a guard and, and forward, you know, somebody qualifies for both, you want the same thing for baseball too. There could be a corner infield spot and third base. It's the same thing, but actually in fantasy baseball, they can cover two positions, same for an outfield or whatever else. So maybe guys that uh, just are DH, less less important. So I've always found multi-position eligibility to be a huge factor in my fantasy success to overcome the inevitable injuries that occur. Um, but, yeah, I, you know, dive in. It, it's, a, it's a long process. It is a grind, but it's fun, and it's fun to participate in baseball in a different way than just watch the games. And, Joe, of course, 
uh, with RotoWire. How can everyone uh, check out uh, what you and, and RotoWire have in store for the rest of this basketball season? And then again, if you're getting ready and set for a, a Major League Baseball fantasy draft. Yeah, now is really a big time because we have that lead up to the NBA playoffs, which is a really big deal from a DFS and a betting perspective. All your tools are there on rotowire.com. Um, we have spring training, so baseball is going to be starting momentarily. All the projections, we I think we have over a thousand different profiles written up on players and more counting. I think it's going to be closer to two thousand when it's all said and done. So we're talking minor leaguers at that point that we're diving into uh, quite extensively. There's a lot of information. NFL offseason will be update, and then there's March Madness, which we do a pretty heavy job uh, getting people prepared for your your pools and. Uh, uh, different things like that, your brackets as well. So, uh, com slash free. You get, I think it's a two or three day free trial. I'm not positive. Don't quote me on it. Uh, you can check out the site, at least look at all the tools that are available. And if you want to uh, subscribe to it after that, great. But, uh, you know, com slash free, good way to at least check it out and look. He's Joe Bartle of Rotowire joining us on this Wednesday edition of Sports Hall. Joe, the time has been greatly appreciated, not only today, but throughout football season as always. And uh, we'll have to have you on a few times throughout baseball season to keep us in line on that, again, that daily grind of that. But, again, thank you so much for uh, for joining us today and throughout this football season. Yeah, no problem. My, my Brewers are going to stink this year, so I'm all Atlanta Braves. I'm, I'm rooting <laughs> yeah. for you guys. I'm beat the Dodgers. Go Braves. Beat all the other uh, major, major market teams. I'm, I'm all in on the Braves this season. So I'm right there with you guys. We, we love to hear it. Joe, as always, thank you very much, and uh, we hope to talk again soon. All right. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on.